you. This is going to be fun, isn't it? Um, when they asked me to speak on Samson, I, my first question was, which one, Toby or Ezra? <laughs> um, no, Samson in the passage here we're looking at today. Um, last week, Kai gave us a fantastic introduction to this character, Samson. And this evening, we have this next installment in the passage. Uh, you might like to follow along uh, in your Bibles. And we find out here how Samson teaches us how to kill a lion how to get your woman, and how to get 30 new sets of clothes. So that's right, it's the lion, the wench, and the wardrobe. So who is Samson? How do we assess him? I mean, he's known, of course, for introducing the phrase, hair today, gone tomorrow. And he's known for being a great entertainer. He bought the house down. Uh, But that's yet to come in our story. As you know, many of our historical figures are being re-examined in the light of sort of the modern world, and it can be controversial. And so I've got to be careful what I say tonight. Samson is the sort of person who divides opinion. I've got to be careful. You're never quite sure who's listening. I had a lovely story this week of a wife who asked her husband, why do we speak so quietly in our house? And he says, well... Tell you what, I'm worried that Mark Zuckerberg is listening to everything that I say. She laughs. He relaxes and he laughs. Then Alexa laughs. Then Siri laughs. So I'm going to be careful tonight what I say. And I'm going to give you three different views of Samson. And I don't mind which one you go away with, really. Uh, You can have the three different images of him. Because people have got different views of him. Do we rate him as hero? Or zero? Is he someone we should learn from his example? One of those great heroes in the Bible? Or is he a person who tells us how not to live? And is an example of what not to do? Is he someone great? Someone we should hate? Or someone just to debate? So three categories we're going to consider. As we learn about things we should emulate. Things to eliminate. And things to evaluate. So that's where we're going with this. So first of all, great. There are those who think Samson was great. He was a hero, and he's the sort of person we should emulate, sort of person we should copy. Uh, they say he's a great leader, even going as far as to say, actually, he's a type or a foreshadow of Christ himself, someone we can learn from in our Christian walk. One of my previous jobs was to uh, work with Aberystwyth University, uh, lecturing on the teacher training course, uh, training the other teachers around, giving lectures to the PGC students. And one of the bits of advice I gave them was to steal. How about that, Azabika? I told them to steal. To steal all the good ideas that they saw while they're on teaching practice. To watch and learn from experienced teachers. To note down stuff they could use themselves. Things like how to do the register in a creative way. Ideas for collecting worship. How to quieten the class down when they're getting a bit noisy. How to solve disputes between pupils. Watch, learn and steal all the best ideas. So what can we learn from Samson? And in fact, should we learn from Samson? Because some say, yes, he was that great hero. He's a forerunner of Jesus. So many similarities. Miraculous birth. Dedicated to serving God from his birth took that Nazarite vow. 
He defeats the roaring lion as Jesus defeats the roaring lion that is the devil. Samson, later on, we'll find out he permits himself to be bound and delivered by his own people into the hands of the enemy as the price of their safety. He's known as the deliverer of Israel. We have then his self-sacrifice in the temple. The spirit of the Lord being upon him powerfully twice in this chapter alone. We see his bravery as an example here. So there are things maybe that we can emulate here. There are things we can learn from Samson here. Learn from the way that he lived his life. And one of the jobs I have in the diocese is to work as a ministerial development review officer. That sounds a good title, doesn't it? That means I have to go around visiting other vicars and ask them how they're getting on with things. And it's fascinating because I can learn so much from them. Many of them have been ordained for many, many more years than I have been. And I've learned all about their prayer life, how they deal with difficult situations, what's going on in their lives. When we look at someone like Samson, there are some things that we can learn. He did do some good stuff. There are some things we can copy. Unfortunately, quite a lot of Samson's life, the best bits, are not in the Bible. They occur between the end of chapter 15 and the beginning of chapter 16, when it just notes about his 20 years of leading Israel and subduing the Philistines, keeping things under control, the unexciting bits that we don't get. Because most of the narrative about Samson doesn't really reflect well on him. So Samson, was he great? Plenty to emulate. Perhaps not. Others, you see, will disagree and they'd say, no, we have a very poor view of Samson. He's someone to hate. Someone showing us not what to emulate, but what to eliminate from our lives. Samson the failure, they say. He started off so well, he had it all to play for, and then he got it wrong over and over again. And there's certainly a lot we can learn from what not to do as we look at Samson's life. The Bible is always very careful with the choice of words it uses to describe the narrative here of Samson in this chapter. If you have a look at verses 1, 5, 7 and 19, all have the same word in. They emphasize something. Verse 1, Samson went down to Timnah. Verse 5, Samson went down to Timnah. Verse 7, then he went down and talked with a woman. Verse 19, Samson went down to Ashkelon. We even have his dad doing the same in verse 10. His father went down to see the woman. When the Bible talks about that down, it's implying there was a loss of morality, a leaving of the holy to go down into the secular, declining in values. Because it's easy, isn't it, to paint a picture of Samson, the failure. Look how he acted. So many mistakes just in this, in this chapter alone. Just look at these things we can avoid. Samson acted on impulse. That's how we begin, isn't it, verses 2, 3, and 4. Samson went down to Timnah. He saw a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman. Now get her for me as my wife. Get her for me. She's the right one for me. He acted just on impulse. Saw someone something to his mind I guess and wanted it acted on impulse acted on lust verse 7 several of you smiled when this was read out he went down, talked with the woman and he liked her there's quite a bit more in that isn't there than, than just he liked her 
But he didn't treat women well, did he? It's interesting, we don't even know his wife's name here. She's just referred as something to get for him. When he refers to her later, he calls her his heifer. I think maybe he'd misread instructions on love. When you fall in love, it should be for heifer. Thought I'd better milk that one. Acted on impulse, acted on lust. Samson acted against the rules. Okay, he was a Nazarite. He'd taken a Nazarite vow. There are three things, if you want to be a Nazarite, three things you need to do. First, you don't have your hair cut. We're going to come to that later. Second one is don't touch any grapes or any drink made from grapes like wine or grape juice or anything to do with grapes. And don't touch any dead bodies. Okay, three simple things you need to do if you're a Nazarite. If you're a Nazarite today, you'd be a, a long-haired teetotaler who couldn't work in an undertaker's. Okay, those are the three things about being a Nazarite. And what does Samson do just in this passage? Did you spot it? Verse 5. As they approach the vineyards of Timnah. Where's he going? He's going to a vineyard. You're not supposed to be anywhere near grapes. It's one thing you're not supposed to do. And then that bit about the lion and the honey. Sometime later, verse 8. When he went back to marry, he turned aside to come and look at the lion's carcass. In it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey scooped out the honey with his hands, ate it as he went along. He rejoined his parents and gave them some, and they too ate it. Dead body alert here, should have been in his mind. It's a dead body of a lion. You're not supposed to touch things. Keep away from the grape stuff. Keep away from the dead bodies. There's a great feast in verse 10. Probably, say the commentators, a rather a drunken feast. Again, more of that there. Samson acting against the rules. So much he gets wrong. Acted on impulse, acted on lust, acting against the rules, acts on pride. We see his pride here in verse 12. Bet you can't guess my riddle, he says. Going to give you a riddle. Bet you can't guess it. I'm cleverer than you. I'm going to tell you something. And I'm so confident I'm going to gamble several wardrobes of clothes on my cleverness. And that's what he's got there. He's just full of pride. It's not even a proper riddle. It's naughty. It can't be solved. You had to be there or to be told what happened in order to understand it. You can't, you can't solve it in a normal way. It's cheating, really. Acted on pride. He acted on nagging. Samson's wife threw herself on him, sobbing, you hate me, you don't really love me. You give my people a riddle, but you haven't told me the answer. She cried the whole seven days. So on the seventh day, he finally told her because she continued to press him. He acted on the nagging. Somebody wore him down again and again. She, of course, acts out of fear because she's being threatened. It's not going well here. Samson acts in anger. Verse 19, he went down to Ashkelon, struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything, gave their clothes to those who explained the riddle. Burning with anger, it says, he returned to his father's home. You know, Samson, there's, there's plenty of evidence if you want to put him in that category tonight as the baddie. He gets so much wrong. We can learn so much to avoid from him. Plenty to hate here. A lot of things to eliminate. A lot of things to try and fight against in our life. So, Samson. Someone who's great. Meant to emulate. Someone to hate. You can take your pick. I think I'd go for the middle ground. Someone we can debate. And there are things here to evaluate. Because... 
When I think about Samson, when I look at his life, he was neither wholly bad or wholly good. He was a flawed hero. He did some good stuff, but he messed up big time. Just like, I guess, many of us. But there were two key things. Two things I learned as I looked about Samson this week. Two key things. Despite all that went on in his life, God loved him. And God used him. And that gives me hope today when I look at my life and all I've messed up with and all that's going on there. God loves me. And despite me messing up, God can use me. It's interesting when the letter um, was written to the Hebrews by the, uh, and that part of the New Testament is written, there's a whole chapter, uh, chapter 11, dedicated to all the heroes of the faith, those who served God faithfully. They get their name in this hall of fame, as it's known in Hebrews. There's all the usual suspects there. We see Noah and Abraham and Moses. But guess who's there? Right there, in the same sentence as King David, Gideon and Samuel, we have Samson as an example to us of faith. Someone who served God. God loved him. God used him. Even though he was so messed up, even though he got so much wrong, God used him. And that gives me so much hope this evening. And actually at the time he messed up the most was the time when God stepped in. We see that time and time again in this story. Choosing his wife in all of that mess. Oh, I like her. I'll have her. You go and get her for me. Verse 4. His parents did not know this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time they were ruling over Israel. God can use even our mistakes, even the bad stuff, to fulfill his purposes and bring him glory. And then he was on the way to the vineyard, a place he shouldn't be going to, the naughty person, off to the vineyard. And then the lion attacks him. And what does it say? It says, the spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. Not when he was in a prayer meeting, not when he was feeling particularly holy, when he's walking towards the vineyard. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. And then later in the chapter, when he lost his temper, when he lost the bet as well about the clothes, that same phrase comes up again. The spirit of the Lord came upon him in power. This flawed hero, this one who messed up time and time again and got it wrong, God didn't turn away. God loved Samson. God used him and filled him with his spirit. What hope that, that gives us this week hope it gives you hope too maybe you've messed up this week made some bad choices like Samson, got things wrong God loves you God can use you, God can use our failures for his glory he fills the broken with his spirit because of Jesus we can be made whole, we can be reconciled to God As I've been reading the Old Testament, um, I keep seeing references to Jesus and 
things that point us to Jesus all the way through. Uh, this morning here we were thinking about the wood that was thrown in the water that purified the water and we thought about the cross of Jesus here. And this strange incident with this slain lion here. For some reason the bees had chosen to make a nest in this carcass. It's not a natural thing for them to do. Normally bees wouldn't do this. They'd find somewhere nicer to to congregate. This was a strange event orchestrated by God, not just organized so Samson could give a good riddle at his party. And I don't think it's stretching it too far to have this as our takeaway this evening. There is sweetness in the death of the lion. We began, didn't we, with the lion, the wench, and the wardrobe. The original by C.S. Lewis, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, we read about the death of Aslan. Aslan the lion pays that blood debt owed to the white witch. And instead of Edmund pouring out his own blood for his mistakes, he is spared a horrible death. Aslan, who did nothing wrong, was humiliated, tortured and killed because of Edmund's betrayal. Aslan loved Edmund so much, he took Edmund's place and paid his debt. The same for Jesus. He took our place on the cross, paid our debt for our sins because he loved us. It's because of Jesus that we can enjoy eternal life. We can know forgiveness. We can know redemption. We just need to accept his free gift of salvation. So Samson, you can take him or leave him tonight. Hero or zero, I don't mind what you think about him. But there's one thing to remember tonight. There's sweetness in the death of the lion. God loved Samson and used him. God loves us and can use us. This is the God that we serve. Loving us so much, he gave his son to die for us. There's sweetness in the death of the lion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for stories like this in the Bible. We thank you for Samson. We thank you for that great reminder that whatever we've done, all of our faults and failings, you love us and you can use us for your glory. We can play parts in building your kingdom and bringing glory to your name. We pray this evening for those that are struggling with this, for those that have made maybe bad choices, for those that are in a difficult place in their life. Lord, we pray that you will reveal yourself to them, that they may see, experience and know your love, that they may look to the cross and see how much you love them. We pray for those we know in our families and friends who haven't discovered your love yet, who are confused by eternal things and don't understand what it all means. We pray that again you will reveal yourself to them. We pray for those we know who are in need in our community. We thank you for the way that we're able as churches here to help those in need, for the meals that were served this week, for the conversations that were held, for those that are coming to Alpha Courses and finding out about you. We thank you for the ways we have to share your love in our community. We 
pray that you will be at work through us as flawed people, as people who mess up. We pray, Lord, that you will use us. You will fill us with your spirit of power. That we may shine as lights for you in our community. We bring to you our country. We pray, Lord, for a move of your spirit in this land of Wales. We thank you for the revivals in the past. We pray that you will be at work throughout our nation. We pray for those who lead us, for those who lead us in government and the local councils and all those with difficult decisions to make. We pray, Lord, that you will give them your wisdom, that they may make wise decisions for the good of all people. We pray this evening for those we know who are really struggling at this time, for those who are ill, those we know who've been bereaved recently struggling with poor health mentally or physically I was caught up with anxiety and depression and addictions Lord set them free may your spirit come in power on these people so Lord this week we just pray that you will use us we pray that we'll be aware of your love for us that each one of us may share something of your love with those around us.